Welcome to NCAST, the podcast from NOPS. Each week, we'll explore the world of cloud cost management, the latest in AWS optimization, and getting practical about your FinOps journey. Join us as we dive deep into the latest trends, tools, and best practices while having conversations with leaders and luminaries who are innovating on the front lines. Our goal is to provide value to the community through insights and practical advice that will help you to achieve your FinOps goals. So whether you're in engineering, leadership, finance, or a cloud professional, this is the place for you. Sit back, relax, and get ready to join the conversation on NCAST. Hi there, everybody, and thank you for joining us for this week's episode of NCAST. Uh, today, I have a very exciting guest, uh, Merrick Hughes, who is a specialist master for government and, and public sector at Deloitte, is joining us today. And I know Merritt as Merritt the, the legend. If, if you asked him, Castle uh, around the halls of of Enops uh, about merit. Um, he will strongly assert that that she is one one of the the world's foremost experts on on cloud billing. And I learned of her legend when when I joined Enops uh, almost three years ago now. So merit, finally, we we get to talk. Yes, hi, I, I'm Merit. Uh, most of what you said is is accurate and true. One small correction: it is Deloitte's uh, Government and Public Services uh, Division, uh, which services uh, federal, state, local uh, clients. Um, and also, I don't know that if I'm the foremost expert in the world, that's a world legend. I think those are both hyperbolic, um, but I have been around the AWS billing block. And oh, that's the other thing. I'm an AWS billing expert, not a cloud billing expert because the rest of them, I kind of big, I can find it myself, but I can't tell people how to do it blindfolded with both hands tied behind my back while walking my dogs, which I've a hundred percent done with AWS billing questions. So, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I appreciate any compliment that comes from Tim because those are hard to come by. They are, they are, and I know that well. So, specialist master, tell, tell, what is a specialist master? So, within Deloitte, we have kind of multiple uh, hierarchies. Uh, hierarchy is not quite the right word because we don't have a traditional org chart, um, but we'll call them promotion paths, right? Um, under the traditional side, what most people think of as consulting, you know, analysts consultant, senior consultant, manager, et cetera. Uh, Deloitte also has a uh, subject matter expertise track, right? And that's the track where the specialists sit. Uh, so I am the equivalent of a manager, but it means that I have uh, deep technical expertise rather than being kind of more of that consultant generalist. Um, and it's really nice because it gives me the chance to really continue to obsess over cloud cost optimization, cloud billing, best practices without having to worry too much about, uh, do I also know how to run PMO? And do I also know how, excuse me, to uh, create the best deck in the world and create this suggestion for this thing over here, right? It, it allows me the the luxury to be a specialist. This sounds like a luxurious gig, right place for you, and you wouldn't be there in, unless you deserve to be there. 
Um, well, great. Hey, Merritt, we both had the opportunity to to be at, at FinOps X, and and we had actually a little pause in in episodes. Um, well, well, we were out at a, a couple of different events, FinOps X, the New York Summit. I'd love to get a recap from you. What was interesting? What was talked about? What did you take away? So FinOps X, uh, this was my first FinOps X, and I don't even feel bad about that because it was the second one ever. <laughs> it was, Mine too, my first two. It was, I believe, six times the number of attendees of the prior year, so about 200 to about 1,200. Uh, so there was a lot of energy and excitement over a whole bunch of people obsessed with the same topic being in the same place. Um, what was interesting to me about that versus someplace like an AWS summit like New York or Washington was those tend to be all people excited about AWS, but very excited about their 15 different niches that all showed up to the same summit. And FinOpsX was all people obsessed with the same thing at one summit and no kind of interlopers as it were. Um, so everywhere you turned was somebody talking about um, focus, right? Is AWS going to join focus at this? Is this going to be part of the announcement? Um, people really wanting to learn about what Capital One was doing or what VA was doing, um, the Veterans Administration, and a ton of options um, just to nerd out on whatever your particular FinOps nerdery is. Um, and none of us had ever experienced that before. Um, I'm pretty famous for saying reInvent had nothing for me until 2022. Um, meh, I'll, I'll back that up. I'll say nothing for me until 2021 because they didn't really have anything in that FinOps zone as a, as a session. So that chance to just everywhere you turn talk about it was great. Yeah, for me, it was about the conversations. I, uh, you know, I, I recapped when, when we came back from it and the concentration of meaningful conversations yeah. that with, with, you know, both on, on the, the FinOps and, and centralized FinOps side of the fence, but, but also a lot of engineering there and, and talking about, you know, deep optimization op opportunities, yeah. you know. I, I've never seen so, so many people stop in their tracks. We, we on, on our boot there, we, we had uh, some warning about Carpenter, AWS Carpenter. And, you know, that it, it, if, if you're not looking to, to truly optimize, talk about horizontal and vertical scaling and, and, and how to optimize for cost, that looks going to go right over your head. So it was great for us um, and personally great use of time for for me um what what do you think what was the the biggest conversation or or the the biggest takeaway for you um i tend to live in my own little bubble of public sector these days right okay. and it's it's overlapping right it's all kind of a series of venn diagrams but for me the biggest takeaway was the amount of public sector attendees that we had. Um, if you think about the fact that we had people from not just U.S. federal government, right? We tend to think of those as big agencies with money to spare to send one or two people. Um, but that we had 
a good dozen. And then we had state people. I saw a county person, right? And to finally see some of that FinOps mindset really going into the governments that serve us all, right? Like, isn't it nice to think about your local county actually starting to care about their cloud bill? Maybe your property taxes won't go up as high as fast. Um, and I really kind of took some comfort in seeing that it's spreading into our government. And it's not just a thing of people with, you know, $10 million a year cloud bills or even a million dollar a year cloud peoples, but it's really going into our public services. That's great. You know, I, I think we, we have a lot of topics that, that we want to cover here today. And, and we definitely want, want to, to talk a lot about, about bridging the gap that, yeah. between engineering and finance and, and, and how to, to, to sort of, um, that manage and, and maintain and approach those conversations. But, but you, you know, let, let's talk a little public sector first. Yes. Um, some unique challenges in, in the way that, that, uh, public sector, um, allocates, uh, and budgets and, and also, you know, we've got the OPEX versus CAPEX kind of evolution going on. What are the challenges there? Yeah. So I had interesting conversations with this about this at FinOpsX and it wasn't with other public sector people. It was sitting at lunch and, you know, talking to whoever's at the table. Oh, what, what's your specialty? Who are you with? And somebody looked at me and asked, could the government cloud be disrupted? And he didn't mean from a security standpoint. He meant from, because uh, I had briefly talked about some of the challenges that we have um, in public sector, which I'll get to in a second. And it's so, so many of the constraints we're under in public sector don't exist for large-scale commercial enterprises, that he couldn't just believe that this wasn't an attitude problem, right? And could you just disrupt it? Could you show up with like the new tool or the new way of discussing it that would fix it all? And the answer is no, because we have these lovely things called regulations and laws, right? So when we, when we talk about some of the problems and how public sector is different from commercial, one of the things we talk about is when it comes to FinOps specifically, is we don't have the flexibility to just turn it off. A lot of times in FinOps, we talk about what is the low-hanging fruit. Go turn off your idle instances. Go delete your unattached EBS volumes. Go thing. <laughs> idle that gateways, right? All of those things that commercial, particularly commercial SaaS, takes for granted. We can't do in quite the same way. So for those of you who are listening, who are in those nice commercial, uh, particularly kind of more that uh, startup to less than, we'll call it two to 500 employees. If you go to your CIO and say, hey, I found 200 uh, instances, even 20 instances that haven't had any activity, nary a trace of data transfer right. in the last month, can I turn them off? You're going to get one of two answers, either yes, please, right now, why did you wait so long? Okay. Um, but submit a ticket and then execute your ticket because that's a lot of money. 
Uh, and the other answer you will get is, hey, let's send out an email, identify who created them, send out an email, tell them if they don't get back to us by Friday. Then you can shut them off, right? Those are kind of your two main paths to finding something completely idle and we'll call it the real world, right? Not that the government's not real world, but the world that FinOps documentation addresses, right? In the government side, we have to think about what things has created a dependency based off of that instance existing, even if it hasn't worked? Is some major system like, I don't know, social security checks going to go down because you deleted an instance that some process somewhere has a ping and you can't right. not send out social security checks like that? Could you imagine the news? Um, the difficulty of getting permission to turn a thing on in the first place. So... If I'm going to turn it off, somebody can't just go say, whoops, and turn it back on for me the next day when I got back from vacation. To turn stuff on is typically a multi-week, if not multi-month process. So we've created processes that take almost as long to turn them off because of those hurdles. And, and there is no ability to just bypass and go to the CTO and be like, hey, you know, James turned my stuff off last week. I was out. I need you to turn it back on. They'd probably say, okay. And in government, we generally can't do that. We have to go through the whole same approval, the same security approvals, the same risk approvals that we did two years ago. They're telling me I can't just assign an engineer to write a Lambda to to script it and, and turn my stuff on and on. That, that can't happen. Uh, on and off, you can you can 100% do all of those things. You just okay. can't do them at the same speed. Right. Right. So in commercial, you get the flexibility to just say, turn it off. If they need it, they'll come back to us. Right. Well, if, I'll, I'll take the Tim Castle approach. There is a third option just, just to jab at him a little bit, because I know what Tim would have done in, in that situation. And he would have just turned it off immediately. There would have been no ticket and waited for, for somebody to complain. Right? It, that, yeah, you that can not do that in government. <laughs> oh, 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 no. Um, it, it's what we call uh, intentional chaos testing. <laughs> yeah, uh, throwing the chaos monkey in there, better to um, ask forgiveness than request permission. Um, all of those things are viable in commercial. In sure. public sector, depending on what that what was on that instance, what agency you're at, you could be violating a law or, a, a, you know, worst case, that's pretty extreme. You're probably not violating a law, but you probably are violating a regulation of some kind. So you got to go through the hoops to turn stuff off, just like you had to go through to them to turn them on. Um, and that turning on because of security concerns can be a, a pretty long lag. And I don't want anyone to think the government is out there intentionally wasting money. Most of these hoops were put in there because of some prior fraud. So they're trying to prevent some new fraud from happening, right? And it, it does create some additional lag. But it does also mean that everything has to be more intentional from the beginning. And that's where I, particularly federal and state agencies are really coming up to speed with FinOps. And this was the main thing we were talking about at... Um, FinOps X within kind of our public sector bubble was the importance of 
having a plan from the beginning so you don't have to worry about finding idle things in the future, right? Planning for scheduling, planning for what happens when um, a resource is no longer needed. What checks are you doing to be checking on that stuff constantly rather than doing kind of a quarterly or annual, (laughs) guess what we just found. Fire drill, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I find so much of FinOps it is punitive. Uh well that with, with, without the maturity, right? Yeah. It's it's the finance team came after me and said, You've got to do something about this bill and you've got, you know, ten days to cut twenty percent. Something like yep. that. And especially so, right now. Especially right now, right? That it, I mean I mean business is especially good and it, it it's you know a hard pill to swallow because th- that that is directly a, a result of, of what's going on in, in the financial markets, what's going on in in the the tech world. Um, so yeah, now is the time to put those guardrails up, and it sounds like that the guardrails have to be a lot higher and a lot more secure um, when 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 you're dealing with with public sector. Yeah, because remember, they are keeping your tax information, your health information, your vaccine information, our military's information, right? All of those components are there. And again, you know, taking down an instance that itself has been idle, but if its instance ID is part of some script somewhere, right, it could take down something, right? And so there's just so many more checks on both sides. Um, But I'm really excited to see kind of this more proactive planning um, coming into into being, Uh, honestly, across commercial too, because let's be honest, we've both seen, uh, we didn't discuss this earlier, but prior to joining Deloitte, I spent five years in commercial. Before that, I was in public sector uh, previously, but particularly, you know, the problems of government are no different than the problem of commercial. It's just commercial as more flexibility to solve it, whether they do or not, is a separate question. <laughs> that That is a whole other conversation of why are there billions of dollars worth of cloud savings to, sitting out there right for the taking and and yet nobody is acting on them. It's one of the nuts that, that we're, we talk about every day. You know, yeah. the, the, the biggest challenge is getting engineers to, to take action. And I'm sure we could go on yeah, for, and for actually, well, I'm going to take a second to defend engineers. And I say this is not an engineer myself, but I love to protect my engineers. Most of the time, it's not that engineers don't want to take action. It's that it's not prioritized on their backlog and on their Correct. sprint planning. Um, and, and that's a universal issue that includes all the documentation, that includes a whole bunch of stuff. But a lot of FinOps efforts are in the same category as tech debt. We'll get to it after we release X. And surprisingly, like some of those optimization efforts don't come after releasing X because now here comes release Y. And it got pushed again, right? So I'm always careful to not blame the engineers for not actioning change. I will blame them for not making a good decision in the first place. But change that needs to happen after the fact, right? Modernization is a perfect example. Right, it's a lot of time. It's it's a lot of time. Um, yeah, well, and and I have to to totally agree with you. I mean, there, there's the list is long. They they don't have the tooling. They don't have the visibility. But 
but I think that the the number one problem is the the organizational mandate. Yeah. Right. It, if we tracked FinOps as a KPI and treated it like we do continuous delivery, continuous security, uh, you know, Deb, Sec, Fin, Ops, right? We we keep. I mean, that we we know whose head the responsibility falls uh, falls on, and if 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 we don't get proactive about it, that then it it falls into the same category. And I have this discussion with people all the time. How many thousands of, of JIRA tickets did, did you have to resolve during your last SOC 2i? Yeah. Right. And and I've been in the, the foxholes with the teams. Um, you know, well, I've got till Tuesday to resolve another 300 tickets. And, and you better know, hope a lot of those tickets are duplicates. It's, yeah, it's a painful place to be in. And, and it leads to, to 18 hour days and, and you know, the, the lack of, sustainability and work-life balance and, and all of those things. And, and you know, we're, we're kind of in the business of, of getting out of that business of, of making it so painful. Um, let's stay on uh, public sector, though. So the, we, we talk a lot about the challenges. Um, how well are public or is public sector really embracing the the, the consumption-based model, the promise of the cloud, the elasticity of the cloud. And what are the challenges? Because, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, Greenfield projects are um, much easier to, to scope out and plan these things in, but, but I don't think we get a lot of Greenfield out of public sector, do we? Not a ton of Greenfield. There is some. Um, there are Many, if not most, agencies are still involved in migrating from on-premises to the cloud. Unfortunately, a lot of them are migrating based off of edicts set by their legislator. I was talk or their legislature. I was talking to one uh, state who said we're doing lift and shift to the cloud, and I, you know, reflex. You know, that's more expensive, right? It's going to be more expensive to run that environment in the cloud. And uh, they said, we know, but our legislature gave us an edict to be out of on-premises by 2024. So the only way to get there is to get there fast. We will start re-architecting once we are in the cloud. Right? So we're going to spin up some computers and deploy the same software and, and, and hope that it works. Right. Yes, basically, because it was the only way they could make 2024. They could not rebuild every IT system that a state has sure. um, in two years to be cloud native. Side note, a thing I wonder about a lot is whenever talks of countries, you know, dividing or states seceding and all of this stuff is I always wonder what goes into standing up the IT for a quote unquote new country or a new state? Like what would that look like? And working with government at the scale where I really get an idea of how many different applications they run. Animal, like if you think of a state or local, animal control, their own version of CDC, right? Cause it's, it's more their department of health, but all of the things that that contains. And then the DMV, it's fascinating to me as an intellectual exercise to think about what it would take from an IT perspective to stand up a new state or a new country basically overnight. Well, where's the playbook, right? Where's the playbook? I mean, 
right? Yeah, which spinoffs even happen? Right? <laughs> like it, when you're trying to work that fast, right? So I didn't mean to de- derail. No. That's the only time I've ever gotten a chance to mention how fascinating I find that as an intellectual exercise. Um, but something to ponder. Yeah, but if you think about it, local legislatures aren't known for being filled with people who understand the challenges of migrating to the cloud. Correct. Neither is our national legislature, right? Um, but they're the ones setting a lot of the guidelines for what happens. Um, and, and that's kind of one of the things where trying to figure out how to prioritize what needs to move when and where, prioritizing the longer runway that it would take to re-architect to be cloud native, Versus getting it moved over to something that may very well be fundamentally more secure. Um, when you're talking about at-risk workloads, we just had you know the news of China not only hacking our State Department but most of the Japanese government. Right, ha- got to get this stuff out of these easy access environments, and trying to figure out how to balance all of those various demands while being efficient with uh, taxpayer dollar is it's a challenge and it's one that government employees really really want to solve but they're not the ones who created the problems so it's an interesting challenge to hit all of those marks well I mean crawl walk run um, comes to mind right absolutely I mean, it, it's really the the only place to to start to is to sort of wrap your head around what is the problem, right? That you, What's you, you the urgent problem? Sure, sure. Quantify impact-based analysis, right? So um, wh- wh- where do you think that the, the, big, the most focus should be going right now to, to make the, the biggest impact? Um, oof, oof. Big question, big question. I'm I'm honestly going to start with um, the FinOps Foundation, right? If you if we look at their domains and capabilities, I'm going to start with organizational alignment. So historically, in government, there has never really been a need for IT to talk to finance or procurement. There has never been a need for finance or procurement to understand the smallest thing about IT, other than how to turn on their computer and use their desktop applications. Sure. And I think getting people to work together and communicate together in such a way that they understand enough to know what the challenges are don't need to know how to solve them i'm not asking procurement to you know make a decision about using c7 versus m6s right like i'm not talking about that but understanding for example that not every workload could be turned off on weekends and not everything should get an RI or a savings plan for it because just because the AWS console says you that was me too sure yeah right because the AWS console doesn't know what you're turning off next week much less it three months or six months from now and just creating a culture of communication and understanding that this is no longer a once every three year conversation when you buy your next round of servers that this needs to be in my opinion, at least a quarterly conversation between all of these stakeholders, but probably more monthly. Um, some of them might be peripheral attendees, read the meeting notes later, um, but it can't be IT working over here, 
and finance working over here. It really has to be that they're working together, if nothing else, is a Venn diagram, right? Here's the places where our areas overlap and we all need to communicate about these things and understanding what falls under these things. And do the the right disciplines, the, the right positions, the right people, I mean, do, do they exist today? Um, or, or is that why why you you have a job today is is, is to, uh, to help them to to navigate the, this complex matrix? Yeah, I would say that currently most agencies, regardless state, local, federal, do not have a FinOps person on staff. What they have is somebody who speaks whatever language is not their native. Right? They might have a tech person who speaks money. They might have a money person who speaks tech who's tried to take it on and then they're working with the folks doing the best they can. Some agencies are more advanced. OPM is a great example. Melvin Brown, who's a member of the TAC. Um, uh, actually, I think he's now on the uh, the governing board. Melvin, I'm sorry, I've lost track of how many uh, roles you're currently handling for the foundation. Um, but OPM is a great example, right? They really have tried to take a FinOps approach to a lot of what they're doing. So I would put them much further ahead than some other agencies who um, asked me at Summit because I was wearing my lovely uh, FinOps pullover here. What is FinOps? Right. And so there's everything in between. And it and it's reflective sometimes of the individual, maybe somebody else at their agency really knows. And sometimes it's reflective of the agency and where they need to get to. Um and and my job is to help them kind of get to whatever the next stage is. And for some of them that's, you know, step, you know, point zero zero one. And for right. others that's step ten or step twenty. Um but what I personally want is for everyone to really understand how many ways and opportunities you have to influence spend for better or for worse, right? Um, and everything from can you give a really good requirement? Because the better your requirement, the light, more likely it is that your cloud bill is going to be cheaper from the beginning. Sure. Um, to... Do you understand how these commitments might impact your bill one year from now, three years from now, and what kind of, you know, money are you using to to get that done? Well, you know, I think that's a really interesting segue in, into sort of another part of, of our conversation. So, so what I heard you say was, you know, Promoting a culture of, of everybody stopping to, to ask themselves how they they can make a positive impact and and how how does that play in into to the decision making process? You know, it what one of the biggest challenges that that I work with our clients on our customers on every day it it is is how to to empower engineering teams to to even have visibility how how to do unit economics right and and the impact that i've seen unit economics have 
on engineering teams, not just in terms of, of cost. It's great. You have visibility. You can instantaneously see what the impact of, of, of what you're doing ha has on, on your contribution to, to the, the, the overall financial health of an organization, but there's so many side benefits, you know, performance, reliability, um, scalability, because it, 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 when you're looking at things from that perspective, you, you can truly see every component of, of your, the, the, the way that, that you're leveraging cloud services. Now I know in your career, you've had to have a lot of these conversations. And you told me an interesting story uh, about a manager once once telling you how to approach them. Would, would, would you like to, to elaborate on that? Yes. So one of the challenges, uh, whether you're finding it through your in-ops tool, whether you're finding it through the Cur, whether you're finding it because you listened to a podcast and got a hot tip, um, and you're going back to your engineering team to say, hey, I found, I heard this cool thing. Sure. Um, a lot of times, in my experience, folks can get pretty defensive of their architecture, even if you're not attacking their architecture, right? And a manager of mine, a senior manager here at Deloitte, uh, once told me, yeah, you got to be careful because nobody wants to hear their baby's ugly, right? Because that's what they're going to take when you say, hey, why did I just find a hundred unattached EBS volumes? Right. I didn't attack anything. I asked a question. Why did I find 100 unattached CBS volumes? But the immediate reaction, any of us would do it, would be very defensive. There's a reason. Right. A few will be like, whoops, um, meant to delete those. I thought sure. we took care of that. Right. Um, but the default reaction is an accusation. Right. And I, and he has a point, right? A lot of people are going to think that as a FinOps practitioner, when you're finding a thing, particularly if it's not modernization, right? Modernization, hey, Amazon just came out with M7i Flex. Could save us 5%, allow more, you know, flexibility, right? Um, but if you're coming to them and saying things like, hey, I think we need to rethink our snapshot retention policy. Sure or actually how we're executing our backups, right? AWS backup versus snapshot, send to S3, send to Glacier, right? All of that. They get very defensive because this was their design. And so finding a way to communicate what needs to be done and what can be done starts with not finding their baby ugly, but instead saying, oh, what a, what, what a lovely child that you've put so much time and energy into raising. Have you considered... If you considered this educational class, right, and finding a different way to phrase it, and it it has made me more cognizant to be sure that I am asking questions and not telling. Sure, because uh, that you know, is the flaw with any tool, right? Whether you're talking trusted advisor or an ops or cloud checker or cloud health, whoever, sure. is that it just tells you something's wrong. And it sure. feels a little, little violation. Yeah, it's a little judgmental, right? Um, instead of thinking, hey, we found a thing that doesn't fit normal patterns. Sure. Right? Because it doesn't fit normal patterns. You might have a good reason 
Whereas if it's a violation, there's no good reason for a violation. Right, right. It, it's almost as, as negative or as punitive of, of, as, the, as I was mentioning before, when a finance team just comes with, with an overall mandate and you're in trouble because of, of your cloud belt, right? Yes. That, that, that is, is, is a very negative culture and, and, and I, it doesn't lead to, to great retention in, in great engineers as well. One thing that I often find when, when I'm having these conversations is that engineers have engineered to requirements that, that, that may be highly out of date. We, we built this feature three years ago. And so now I'm going to maintain that, that feature for, for perpetuity, for all of eternity. And so the, the answer is I can't, or, you know, uh, I, this is I how we've understand. always done it. This is how it's always been done. That's that's the number one. So, oh, God. So we kind of link those what, two things. What right? world you're in, you could be making right. cars, you could be making technology, you could be making sandwiches. The worst answer ever is this is how we've always done it. Sure. And, um, but it, finding a way, and that's why I said the kind of the biggest challenge in government or the thing I think they should do first is organizational alignment. Because engineers cannot change the environment without buy-in from product or program or mission. Exactly. In our world, we talk right. about programs and missions, not product. But engineering may very well know that no one uses that feature or that this particular thing is not needed. Sure. But no one's made the call, right? But no. program won't let them turn it off. Sales, if you're talking commercial... Sales won't let them turn it off because it it's really good selling point, even if nobody sure. uses it. Sure. Yeah. Could close a deal next month or next year. Or sometimes I, I personally know of at least two features on one product that close deals all the time, but nobody actually ever used them once they <laughs> use the product, right? Like it was Sounds good. It was like aspirational vegetables, right? The the vegetables that you buy because you're like, I'm going to eat more vegetables this week. And then they rot in your produce drawer. Like there are features that are like that, right? They are what companies want to be and then never use them. Sure. And and so, you know, FinOps to me really gives you the the opportunity to to sort of challenge the, the status quo yes. and, and say, okay, my, my S3 bill is, is going up. You know, I built this beautiful data lake. And now, uh, you know, we, we are retaining data forever because that, that was the vision. Well, my S3 bill is going up by, you know, 30% at every month and, 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 you know, no end in sight. So you have to, to, to take a, a pause and say, well, how do we quantify the value that, that we're getting out of our unlimited retention policy or, you know, what whatever the, the feature may be. Um, and and so how do you quantify it? Like, how, how do you coordinate to say, hey, product, you know, you're paying $30,000 a month for, for this widget and, you know, engineering is, is, is afraid to turn it off. Oh, engineering's not afraid to turn it off. Engineering's not allowed to turn it off because there's not a ticket sure. with all the necessary approvals to turn it sure. off. Right. Sure. Um, and I think the challenge is, right, is that 
people have to communicate, right? Does does the product manager or the mission owner even know that that is costing them $30,000 a month? Because depending on your chargeback strategy, he may have no idea because it doesn't hit his P&L or depending on how your org is structured, it might hit his boss's 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 P&L, but it's never been presented to him. Do you even have the statistics on the thing to know sure. that it's being used, right? And those are the foundational pieces that are often missing from a lot of, we'll call it, um, it's not really uh, infrastructure optimization because that's about how much is your, you know, instance being utilized, but some of it can come from there. But if you think about S3, right, you don't really get S3 utilization metrics, right, in the same way you do for an EC2 instance. But a lot of times people aren't running the analytics on the application to see what the application is doing. And that all has to be driven by someone somewhere. And in a lot of times it's not being there focusing on your low-hanging fruit of idle stuff and they're focusing on net new architecture, they're not focusing on the stuff that's already up and running and not causing problems. And to be honest, that's a long way from a lot of organizations, whether commercial or public sectors priorities, because it's up and it's running. Sure. And I can send my engineering team over here to get the next thing up and running or to fix the broken thing. And I think that is going to be the, the stretch goal for a lot of organizations. And it's going to be that thing we were talking earlier about the tech debt, where FinOps becomes tech debt, is where I think a lot of the things you were talking about, right? The data lake with our unlimited retention policy. Until that 30K a month is 80% of your bill, it's just going to get kicked down the road. And then it's one day, down the road. one day, it is going to become urgent and you're back to what you were talking about of everybody pulling nights and weekends to get it fixed. Sure. It's a fire drawer. Or or weeks of arguments between product, CTO, and finance about what should that new retention policy be. Sure. Right. And there's and I think that's kind of the magic of FinOps, as well as the most frustrating thing of FinOps, is there's no one right answer. There's none. Just like you but, can't tell whether somebody's baby is attractive or ugly, right? There's too many variations of correct to have there be a one true answer. Sure. Um, but I, I think that that maybe even, you know, the, the, the bigger vision is you can't, the, there are so many of these questions that, that we can't even ask because we yep. don't know, right? And, and so knowledge is half the battle. Um, and then execution be becomes an, an easier thing to talk about. I mean, where do you so so let's say that 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 you've got an organization to to the point where where you actually are informed. You have visibility, right? You understand where every penny is is going and mm -hmm. and you under and and maybe understand the value, the value statement mm -hmm. behind why is that penny going there? Um and and so now you're you're able to to make an impact based analysis. Like, where do you insert yourself to to actually execute and 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 achieve quantifiable results? Oh man, how are the politics in your organization structured? Well, 
it, I mean, if if they're if they're if if they have allowed us to to get to the to this point, I'm going to assume that that it's an it's a priority. It's a real priority, and it's a top down priority. Yeah, and if it's a top down priority, right? Then it becomes you found your okay. Our biggest driver of cost is the data lake for this feature. It's you know our S three bill is approaching thirty percent. It's going here. CFO, CIO, engineering managers all agree it's a priority. And assuming product or mission agrees that it's a priority, they will be willing to delay their own releases for this, right? Then it's a pretty clear question of making sure you have really good, really good and thorough, thoughtful plan and tickets to implement so that you don't end up creating uh, upfront costs that you didn't anticipate. I'm a little triggered by having seen somebody uh, on LinkedIn recently posting about dropping somebody's monthly S3 bill from like a whopping $90 to something like $30 by sending it to Glacier, but forgetting about the rate fee to send it to Glacier. Sure. And so they incurred like some astronomical number, like $40,000 worth of transfer charges to to Glacier because it was a lot of teeny tiny things. Sure. And the payback for that savings was something like 40 years. Right? So, so you have to, you can't just say, and I, I say it all the time and I need to stop. Is this something we can send to Glacier? We're keeping it, right? Can we send it to Glacier? Can we delete it, right? Can we delete Feel free to ask that anytime, all time, right? Because as long as it's not already in Glacier or it's been in Glacier for more than 90 days, delete at will, right? Um, but you have to understand what the cost of implementing is and not just the uh, cloud cost before and cloud cost after, but the cloud cost of the conversion as well as your engineering cost. Because even though labor cost is technically not a FinOps concern, from an overall organization perspective, it is. And I think um, assuming you have covered all of those bases, then it's really good tickets about exactly what you need, exactly what those retention policies need to be going forward. And, you know, uh, a nice reward, even if it's just verbal to everyone when it's all done, right? Congratulations, everyone. You, you know, save the organization this, and this is what we're going to do the money for. Because please, dear God, organizations do not go around talking about you save the company three million dollars and then be real bitter about pizza on a friday because <laughs> that is how you breed resentment it sure. doesn't have to be hey we saved the organization three million dollars we're going to divide it between the 20 of you like don't get me wrong we'd all love that sure. but you you need to reward the people for doing the things but that reward doesn't have to come in the form of gamification or giant bonuses. It's recognizing the work that they did to save save time, money in the future. Sure, and help the company to to achieve its goals. At, yes. at at the bottom line, you know the the financial goals of the company are the goals of everyone. So here's where I'm going to give you the opportunity to be controversial, because okay, okay good. Good. So, so let's get into it. I, I think this is going to be a, a great note for for us to kind of wrap this one up on. 
Um, so to my way of thinking, that the the only way for for something like your use case to to be sustainable is is through automation, right? So for for me, um, data analysis um, to a certain extent, so a little bit of machine learning, but but a lot of statistical analysis, data crunching, and and automation tools, you know, led to something like intelligent Terran. But yeah, you know, let's. Let, let's say that 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 we're on the precipice of, of the the next intelligent tiering and that the 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 move is, is for the team to to embrace a tool or, mm-hmm. or an automation it and and that's the only way to to, to sort of sustain the, the the continuous optimization process I I understand that that you are, pretty fiercely anti-automation and 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 i want to i want to hear from from you what why is it such such a big no okay so just to set the record straight i am not fiercely anti-automation i am fiercely anti-automation for the sake of automation okay Okay. How much does it cost to build automation and what what's the return on the investment right yes but also being sure that you are automating a thing that you're not creating future problems. Right. Right. Okay. So I've solved an immediate problem with automation. So perfect example, right? Hey, automation says I found an unattached CBS volume and it does not have the tag that says retain. Right. Sure. For 90 days. Right. Um, so I'm going to go delete that. In that, if you've set up an approval and you have this and if people understand their tags aren't there, that's a risk. I'm actually not too upset by that. I get more upset, upset is a strong word, uh, concerned, um, when people talk about, hey, we can automate your upgrades, uh, your modernization, right? Okay. And we can take you right to your Terraform. So we can... We can take all of your M6s and move them to M7s, and we can even go update your Terraform script. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, nope, no way, because that didn't go through um, governance. It didn't go through change board. It didn't go through security. And I'm letting some automation touch my source code or my infrastructure. And you want that to happen without somebody operating the gate. And ah, from a security perspective, and from like a, a limiting risk of of stack thrift, it just ooh. now you want to automate telling me stuff. You want to automate alerting me. You even want to create an automation workflow that goes into Jira, creates a ticket that has to get vetted because we all know we want more Jira tickets in this life, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um. That's where, and it may be my public sector, you know, all of our rules and regulations and what's coming in. Okay. But it didn't go through change review. You want to change the infrastructure of a live prod environment with no confirmation that that change is desired. Well, I mean, I, I, every tool in the world, and, and by the way, 
so security is sort of nailed this type of automation where we we open a change set. It's not changing your Terraform code. It it's suggesting a change. Some of the some of them will take you to the specific line in your Terraform yep. code you need to update. Yep. Enops could do that. Enops could do that. And and again, like there are there are times and use cases that like okay, fine. Is the person who's authorizing that authorized to authorize that? Right. Um, okay. And again, like I'm. The best thing I've heard, uh, best thing, that's not the word I'm looking for, right? One thing for automation that I really loved and was kind of this intersection of automation and AI and AI ML was figuring out how to reduce alert noise, right? Because all of these tools from, you know, Datadog to InOps, right? Create alerts. AWS budgets creates alerts. Right. Sure. So using AI ML to determine which ones are important and actionable, meaningful, meaningful, right. All for that. And again, I'm not, I just, it makes me nervous probably because of the types of environments I'm in and the types of hoops and, and jumps that we have to, you know, jump through and jump over to have something with even that much access to be able to get to our Terraform scripts. <laughs> oh, oh, there's a good point. There's a good point. Um, right. And that, first, the odds of that getting through a government ATO, I, I know of one company that has. I'm still kind of mystified of how they did that. Um, but more power to them. It just... Uh, I'm not sure at this stage the risks offset the benefits given the number of hurdles we have to go through. If it fits into your commercial world, I'm all here for it. You're making your commercial choices. Um, And I don't claim to be a security expert, but boy, I got to give somebody access to my Terraform script at all? Sure, I have lace. You give them lacework access or or uh, sneak, um, you know that that well, I find it really interesting because the 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 security industry it, it or the, at least the security discipline embraces it the most, right? Like, yeah, but it's a, it's a at the at the and I'm not insulting any vendor who does this, right? No, those are security vendors who. A sole focus is security. Sure. Right. And and perhaps it's actually an issue of the the folks who are messaging these products because they make it sound very laissez-faire. Right? Like uh, you can just go into the grocery store and get the things, right? Okay. And I I agree. Messaging is, is rough. Content out there it is rough. And and as an engineering leader, I I my, my eyes glaze over when I read most car- I don't understand most marketing content that, that I see out there. I mean, I'm pretty good at reading it. And maybe it's because it's marketing content, but, you know, I've sat through talks with folks and I'm like, I, it, it's not magic. <laughs> right. And, and, and there's a little bit too much of the magic automation where, okay. and again, you know, most of what we do has to go through change review boards. Sure. I mean, I mean you want to change. Integrate with Git. 
oh, that's, oh, get, oh, God, commercial is such a lovely world. Um, right. Sub, subversion, <laughs> what, 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 whatever you mean, you right, stuck on. <laughs> but so much of my federal work is siloed, right? Sure. And, and so, you know, we have a lot of those things, but they're variations and themes and doing those integrations and getting approvals to do those integrations. And again, I'm not trying to say anti-automation, right? I just, I have a lot of concerns, particularly of something that claims to be a cost tool. Sure. Which most of the ones I interact with, because if you're a pure security tool, you're probably not hitting my radar, right? Right. I'm typically, the ones hitting my radar are cost tools who are adding this automation feature um, and their marketing is not one I would, it's all about ease and not about security and right. how it's, right? And I think that maybe that could get someone to influence me. Um, well, but- I mean... I think we've just created a new standard. So, and and I know this is going to be said in many meetings or around NOPS o- over the next several months. Uh, will it pass the merit standard? Will it pass the the merit test? Uh, well, I mean, you want to be clear. We, we want a challenge. We we want to 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 build those things that 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 instill confidence. And I I don't think we're we're going after your your sector at at this point. Um, no, and to, and too much other work to be done, but I, I like that that concept. I'm not a security expert, but we all know that might glare too badly. Oh, it glared too badly, um, right? But uh, you have my sticker, right? If security oh, is up yeah. zero, then FinOps is job point five, right? I security has to be the number one, or I guess okay. really job zero, right? Security has to govern all. Sure. Security comes at a cost, and security needs to be aware of that cost. I'm a big believer of your CISO better be in those FinOps meetings. Exactly. Right? Um, And I'm probably going to err on the don't piss off the CISO side of anything. Um, And if my CISO is like, yep, nope, we all agree, then fair. Let's put it all in to match all of that stuff. Uh, but it's never going to be where my default assumption is that I can put that in to practice sure. in my world. Well, um, you know, we we deal with with security reviews all of the the live long day, but but I think you really hit uh, the nail on the head, with, which is the the CSO or CISO office needs a seat at the the FinOps table. At all times, which it leads me to 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 the same conclusion that that this really has become, you know, that the evolution of continuous delivery to 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 DevOps to to DevSecOps and SecOps and FinOps. I know FinOps people don't like to be looped. It's not the same thing, but it's well, it falls on the same shoulders, right? the term FinOps was a derivative of DevOps, right? They sure Mike and JR say that in the in the first version. I'm assuming they still do in the second. Um, I actually use DevOps CI/CD to explain the FinOps lifecycle, which is it isn't a oh, beginning and an end. It's a cycle. 
Yeah. Right. It is continuous improvement. It is continuous delivery of the most cost effective value for your cloud dollar. Um, and, you know, we have a ton of jokes about, you know, is it DevSec FinOps or DevFinSec Ops? Is it DevSec FinOps? Right. Like what order yeah. do you put them all in? I, I totally agree. Yeah. But the reality is, is it all comes back. You know, you asked me what I would do first. Right. Organizational alignment. Right. right. Where, where do they need to start? All of these people need to be communicating, talking, understanding, again, not at depth, right? But if you don't have a 10,000 foot understanding of these other, you know, teams that you're part of, then you you should sure. um, so that you can help them make good decisions and you can make good decisions for your own kind of workflow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that I think is is the best takeaway from this conversation is that, you know, and to the point of, of your quote, you know, security is job zero, FinOps is is, is job point five dot five. Um, but but that the 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 true story is that that in, in order to make any process scalable, we, we have to 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 apply a, a modern lens and do things, you know, I I I've read the FinOps text. I, I, I read Jez Hubble's uh, foundational text on, on continuous delivery bef before I read that. And I, I studied, you know, the spiral method way, way back in, in, in the ancient days when, when I was a, in, in computer science, right? Yeah. So, you know, these are not new concepts, but we, we are finding new ways to, to integrate and embrace them. And it's more than, than just getting code out the door. I mean, it's funny because they're not new con concepts to the tech industry. Right. You know who's didn't grow up in the tech industry? Most of your accountants, most of your finance people, most of your project and program managers. They did. And most, and most of the, the government, right? Right. <laughs> but if you think about your engineers, most of your engineers haven't taken an accounting class. Right. They haven't taken a finance class to understand, you know, how a dollar saved now impacts, you know, investments and interest rates and all of that stuff. Hopefully they're starting to learn that stuff with their nice tech salaries, right, for their own personal investments. But it, it's, you know, some occasionally people will ask me, you know, how, have, you know, how do you think you got successful at this? Why have you been doing this so long? And I, I see my main job is translation. Right. And that's, you know, translating from AWS into English, English into government, AWS into finance. Right. All of those. I spent an hour and a half last week helping one of our tax partners understand how AWS calculates retail sales tax. Right. Mm. I don't think I could have done that if I hadn't taken accounting classes years ago. Right. Right. And so when you create organizational alignment, what you do is create a collection of people who at least have conversational ability right. some some more you know pigeon right than others but they can start to talk together just a little bit um to really come through with an understanding of of what direction you need to go because i do not need nor want an engineer to understand the tax implications of buying all up front versus no upfront three-year ris Right. The engineer doesn't need to know about that. 
And they don't That's, want to know. And they don't want to, right? That's finance's job. But finance needs to understand why you can't just buy a three-year RI because you can do it, depreciate the tax, right? Like That's good today. <laughs> right? Um, they need to understand, well, if you buy that and we turn this thing off in a year, then that money is wasted. So you've got to work with the tech people to understand, right? And just getting them that conversationally, you know, where's the bathroom? Can I have a water? You know, go down here, turn right. You know, that that's the conversational level that they each need to have in the other's areas to create that organizational alignment so that you can start building things through to optimize your $30,000 worth of data lake <laughs> data that isn't being used, right? It is right. they have to understand what those things are, at least at that high level. Well, Marriott, one thing that I'm sure of is that that we could go on like this yes. for, for hours, but but you know, that the great news is that that we have many opportunities in, in the future to get together for a, another chat and and I actually hope that we do. And and we can have Tim to, join us. With next time, yeah, Tim Castle. Uh, hope you're feeling better. I I don't know what you ordered for dinner last night, but but I do know that both you and your beautiful wife woke up pretty sick. Um, I will say she did show up for a meeting today, though. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know, James. Maybe maybe this was just Tim's way to say he didn't want to talk to me after all. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh. I don't, the, the, the gauntlet. I don't, I think, don't that's think that's true, true either. No. I just had to give Tim a hard time. because I don't you know, think Tim misses many days of work or many hours of work. That That's one thing I know. I, I can guarantee that this might be the only day Tim has involuntarily taken off in a very long time. In a very long time. So next time we'll get Tim on and I, I guarantee you that, that that's going to be a whole new level of fun. Um, yes. But... Uh, Merrick, this has been a lot of fun for me. Uh, I, I, I in, great. enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed the conversation and, and I think there's a lot more to talk to. So let's definitely do get back together and, and do this again. Absolutely. And maybe by then somebody will have convinced me of the value of automating my infrastructure changes Let, through a third party tool. There you go. That, that is my new goal in life. So <laughs> challenge accepted. And for those of you that they're out there, if, if you're still with us, that then you truly are as nerdy as we are about this stuff. Um, join us next time. We've got a really cool conversation cooked up for next week. Um, so I, I, I won't give too much away, but but there, there will be all of the drama and controversy. And, and, and we may even dig into to a couple of the, the topics that we talked about here today. So thanks for joining us for NOPS. We'll catch you next time, or NCAST. Thanks for tuning in to NCAST. We hope you enjoyed the episode. As you can tell, we love to geek out on all things cloud optimization. If you have any questions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram, or just shoot us an email at ncast at nops.io. If you'd like to learn more about the continuing innovation over at NOPS or about our free FinOps platform where you never pay anything unless you save money, check us out over at www.enops.io.